MS sucks. I know. I've lived with it since 1998, and man, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. When people ask, how are you doing? I say, fine. Great. Really? Most of the time, it's a lie, because we're programmed to hide our struggles. I'm not a doctor or a researcher. I'm just a normal guy talking from experience. And let me tell you, sharing those experiences with other people living with MS has made my life a hundred times better. So get ready for a belly up to the bar, honest conversation with real people who at first hesitate to tell the truth about life with MS, but eventually let it all hang out. I'm your host, Jim Fairchild. How you really doing? How are you really doing? You know, as a person with MS, that's a question that can sometimes put us in a precarious position. MS has so many variables that can make it hard to assess exactly how we're doing sometimes, right? It can be hard to figure that out for ourselves, much less convey it to another person. There's so many physical, mental, and emotional pieces that are new, uh, different, and confusing. Trying to measure the MS stuff can get us tied up in knots and it makes it really hard to decipher what's happening. Add in possible depression, anxiety, brain fog, numb limbs, fatigue, tingling fingers, or any of the other plethora of MS symptoms that could be affecting us at any time. And sometimes it feels like we don't even know who we are in order to answer that question. Then there's the aspect of who's asking the question. Will I be heard? Do I feel safe? Is the other person listening? Will they understand? And do I even have the words to explain what the heck is going on with me? We are faced with a choice. Do I answer honestly and face not getting a satisfying answer in return? Do I answer honestly and face scaring or worrying a loved one? Do I answer in a cliche? I'm living the dream, you know, one step at a time. I think we've all done that, right? Sometimes cliches help us get through a situation, even though it may not be how we are really doing. Or, do I answer honestly and possibly get a great reward that vulnerability can bring? It takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable, and for my next guest, she had to dig deep to be able to answer this question for even the most important, closest person to her, her husband. As you'll hear, it took courage for Tamara to open up to Mark and let him help her, which is what he wanted to do the whole time. Once she did, it helped them both to know how they were really doing together. Take a listen as Mark and Tamara Teeter open up and share their story. Well, I am joined today by two of my favorite people, uh, Mark and Tamara Teeter. And I have kind of a goal today, Tamara. Okay. Uh, and talking about MS, you know, can be kind of serious, but you have probably the best laugh that I know of. So I'm going to try to get you to laugh. And I was hoping even just saying that would even get a little bit of a laugh, but <laughs> there's a little, yeah, bit. little bit. There's a little bit. Okay, there's good. a little bit. It is the most You're endearing good. laugh. So oh, I am looking forward you. to getting you to laugh more. And then okay. that's just going to up the whole listenership of my podcast. Is okay. they, they're going to want to hear Tamara's laugh. But oh, that's sweet of you to say. <laughs> It is fantastic. You can hear it wherever you are, so I love it. Um, I also love your guys' story. So I'd like to kind of start at the beginning, and if you could just tell me when you guys met and how long you guys have been together. 
Can I take this one? Yes, it's you a go good right story. ahead. I, I shared the story at uh, Bike MS 2008, I believe they asked me to be the guest speaker. So um, we were in high school. We were with the uh, Centennial High School marching band, which at the time was uh, definitely nationally recognized. Um, when I when went into high school, I had a chance to do sports and band, which I'd done before, but um, I wanted to focus on one, and I, I looked at the sports, and uh, they, none of them were any good. <laughs> it would be a building process in that. The band was established. They got to go places every year. So uh, we went to California the first year, Canada, Florida, and then, nice. uh, yeah, that was your senior year. Anyhow, mm -hmm. um, we're in the band, and it was my sophomore year. Um, I had uh, dated a bunch of other girls my freshman year and was uh, starting down that track my sophomore year. And my buddy Mike said, hey, Mark, I got someone I want you to meet. I'm like, what do you mean? Uh, there's the, my girlfriend's friend I want you to meet. I'm like, you seriously think I'm incapable of finding my own girlfriend and mm -hmm. he looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah, track record, I, I kind of think you are. Nice. So, um, <laughs> he introduces me to, to Tamara, which um, never probably would have hit my radar otherwise. You know, just She was in the, in the Color Guard band, I was kind of floating around a bunch of different cliques and she didn't fall within any of my normal you know, groups of people I would hang out with. So, oh, yeah, th this is fine, you know, talk to your girlfriend's friend. And, we uh, got together and you know chatted a little bit and whatever. And uh, a couple of days later, we had a uh, a competition down at uh, Oxen Stadium in Eugene, and we're on the way down to that. And you know, I say, you know, yeah, we give this a shot. <laughs> so I ask her out, and uh, she says yes, and uh, that that's the start of the whole thing. You guys met young, and. Mm -hmm. How far into your relationship were you diagnosed with MS? Oh. Uh, the kids were 10 and 14, so okay. I had five years to that, and um, so yeah, we are close to 20 years in when, when we got that. Tell me about the diagnosis, and what I'm interested uh, in is kind of dreams interrupted. Yeah. You know, being young, uh, having kids, and thinking about where you want your life to go, where you think your future is going to go, and then this kind of interrupts everything. Yeah, it, yeah, it turned our life pretty much upside down because, uh, you know, one day I was at work and I just wasn't feeling good, and I thought I had some type of virus, and, you know, the first thing you think of is go home, get some rest, so I worked and went home, took a nap before I made dinner, and then still just, dinner just exhausted me to make that night. And then, you know, I just went to bed shortly after dinner, and then the next morning got up, went to work, muddled around work, still exhausted, did the same thing, and decided that uh, maybe I better call the doctor to see if there's some virus going on, you know, something, or what I can do. And she was listening to what I was saying, and she's like, you need to get to the hospital right now. Says, stop what you're doing, get to the hospital. She thought I had a stroke you had be numbness down because side. I had numbness down one side of my, a weakness down one side of my body. So we decided to go to emergency and get checked out. And I, we were there, and they did the little stress test on your hand, you know, and see. And there's this little old lady with this head wound just bleeding profusely, but yet they take me back before her. 
after doing the stress test on me, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Within half an hour I hit in the hospital, I was in a CAT scan, had already been in a CAT scan, came out, and they said, well, there's good news and there's bad news. They said, the good news is you didn't have a stroke, but the bad news is it looks like you have MS. And they said, we can do two things. We can admit you to the hospital for further testing and set you up with a neurologist, or you can go home and try to find a neurologist on your own. We looked at each other and said, what the hell is MS? Yeah, yeah. it needs some time to process this. Let's stay in the hospital. Let's, yeah, we, neither <laughs> one of us. I've never heard of it be diagnosed just after a CAT scan that way. I thought it, I thought it yeah. always had to go through a neurologist, basically. It yeah. was a perfect storm of the amount of time when I had the episode to when I was in the CAT scan. It, yeah, they, they said it normally, there's a 90% chance it takes years to diagnose. Right, right. I had just hit it right on the dot. I'd never heard anyone prior to or since having that quick of a diagnosis. So yeah, either way. I was like, wow, maybe, maybe it's not that, you know? And they, they did the MRI and confirmed, and it, it, once we started learning about MS, you know, what the symptoms are, what, to, what happens, I could look back and say, sure. oh, this time, and, you know, yeah, the, the balance issues over time and everything else, because yeah. she had um, multiple lesions you could see on the scan mm-hmm. when, on that first, on the first scans that they did. You know, it's always interesting to me when they say, you know, take a look back and, and what other symptoms did you have before then and I can remember running down the first baseline you know in softball and, and lose my balance and so looking back you can see that um, but it's still amazing that they diagnosed it so quickly yeah. like that so it was so, great it was scary was it was actually say, really scary it, because that's a mind blow right there yeah it was a late that night he decided he needed to go home and get some sleep and he went home the first thing he did was get on the computer and he googled this early this. stages of the internet you know yep. and it's like that was that was the wrong thing to do. Because oh, yeah. he came back to the hospital the next morning and he's like scared, but scared to death, death. Yes. because we didn't know what to do or but where to go or resources or. That yeah. may have been even before Google, but I, yeah. always, I, I yeah. call that now. It's like, don't over Googleize yourself yes. yeah. because it scares the heck out of you. Yeah. I could have done that from the phone today. Uh-huh. Right. You know, right. You know, but I wanted to go home and look because all you had then all we had then was our, our preconceived notions of what MS is. Sure. And all you know is the worst case scenario. You know, this, this old lady used to live down the street in the, in the chair mm-hmm. that couldn't get to the mailbox. Right. You know, and it's like, we're young, we have kids, what are we going to do? You know, it's very, very scary time. Absolutely. And what about your kids at 10 and, and 14? How did they take the news? Yeah. Or, or how did you even tell them, not knowing quite what it was? Yeah, that was that was a, a scary thing too. To you know, you got a, a fourteen-year-old daughter. I mean, that's just that's its own set of weirdness as it is. Sure. And um, you know, and she was, I, I'll, I'll say, it, she was a little bit off the rails at that point. And it, you know, I'm like, is she even going to care that you know, mom has this thing? Because you know, we, which is is very hard. That communication is important to be able to get feedback. You yeah. know, from your kids, and, and are they scared? Are they are they worried about you? Um, it is, it is difficult, and it's it's nerve wracking, obviously, as a parent, to want the best for them and, and worry about yourself. And what were your symptoms at the at that time? At the, um, I was on my right side. I was numb and dragging my foot, and just weak muscles, and tired, just constantly tired all the time. 
And it's like I just felt like I just couldn't get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And that made yeah. sense now because that had been going on. I mean, it'd be 8 o'clock in the evening and she'd be out. In bed. I'd be... Sound asleep. I'd go out of bed a couple hours later. I'd get up in the morning to go to work. She had a later schedule than I did and she'd still be asleep. And I'm like, how much sleep do you need? You know? Right. It and, was frustrating, and now, yeah. You know, now now makes sense. You know, that she was uh, still having, in the first couple of years, you, after your diagnosis, you're still having relapses. And yeah, it was. Well, it took us a, a little bit to get me stabilized on a medication. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you remember what your first medication was? Copaxin, I believe. Yep. And, and, and that wasn't quite the stabilizer? That was not Did the not stabilizer. Do. I had another attack which was completely different than the first one this other one was it almost felt like a three inch knife was piercing my skull but only you know in like a three by half an inch it just felt on my head just complete like stabbing pains and isolated on one side of my head and i knew at that time i'm like heard of that one that one's scary that is scary Mm -hmm. and it was like I was at work and I'm like something is wrong and one of our friends uh, parents came in you know and saw me at work um, and said hey how are you doing and I just lost it in front of her and then I was like oh gosh I need to get to the doctor so I went to the doctor and back into the MRI I went and they're like sure enough you had another attack you're gonna have to go on a stronger drug so no what was your relationship like as you're learning about this? Um, you guys, you know, are together for quite a while. Um, what? How did you learn together to communicate with each other? I mean, that was that was a strained first kind of five years of that. You know, yeah. it, it was probably the the toughest thing we've gone through in in the relationship. Yeah, because I hid a lot of stuff from him because I didn't want him to feel bad for me. Right. That's, so, that's all part of the learning process too, isn't it? About what you say and as, as a person within this, what you want to say and not affect your spouse. Yeah, and it's like I don't want to feel like I'm constantly complaining to mm-hmm. him. I don't, you know, but it was yeah. frustrating. It was a frustrating time for us, you know. And even though. as, you know, just personally how, how you're you feeling and just the the drain of that on you and, and whatever, um, sharing that with me. I'm, I'm sure there's probably some reluctance to do that as well because I'm a share. I like yeah. be, you know, Let's talk. it's hard for me to, to, to keep things under the under the wrap. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if she didn't want that shared, she's obviously not going to tell me about it. And, or if she is, you know, it's, it's a tough conversation. Like, Please don't tell anybody of this. No, yeah. Nobody and, likes to admit that they're weak or they're hurting or they're, you know. And yeah. I, I think depression played into it, too, at some point. Because mm-hmm. I remember thinking, you know, there was days where I'd start going through my closet because I didn't want Mark to have to clean out my closet. I wanted or my kids to clean out the closet, so I wanted mm-hmm. to do it before I left that. If I, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. You didn't know if I was going to live long term. I didn't know if I was going to be in a wheelchair. I didn't, you know. No, you wake up every morning thinking that you could have another attack, and what is that yeah. going to do to you? So you had a lot of activity that first couple of years. Yeah, it was pretty till we got it stable. And, and had you ever had depression before? Not really. I don't think. Did you know what it was like? No. I did. I had no idea what it was like. I'd heard about it, 
and there had been depression, you know, in people close to me. Mm -hmm. And I always thought you just, you know, keep on moving, you know, pull up your bootstraps, let's go. You can, you can make it through this. It's not like that. Yeah. Depression is a thing. It is yeah. hurtful and yeah. it, it, it throws you into a world that you clean out your closet because mm -hmm. you don't know quite what's going to happen. Dark times in your head. Dark times in your head for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, how did you guys work through that? Did you guys come up with code words or like, how did you, Tamara, how were you able to tell Mark how you're really feeling? Well, eventually after a few years when I've started relying back on him, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, it took a while it, to get there. It was, a, it was about five years and yeah. it was, it, it got was to, it got everybody. to a breaking point. Yeah. basically what happened. And I, I had had enough mm -hmm. and she wasn't communicating and I yeah. at that point was holding things in as well mm -hmm. and um there was a uh like a Thursday evening on the couch and we both just broke down yeah and it opened up and it was good mm -hmm. but it took a while and um you know I'd gone some, through some stuff as a kid where I had um almost died in a car crash and had a lot of support from um my school and my classmates and whatever and it, been through this before where you know something really bad happens and you got this community behind you to support you and um that so to me it's like man we're stronger together we can do this and you know but that just that first few years of getting into the groove of it 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 it's tough and it almost broke yeah mm -hmm. so I was, yeah because i was too stubborn to open up to him to let him know what was going on but until we got to that breaking point and realizing hey you know, I've got to let you know how mm -hmm. I feel, and I've, you know, we've got yeah, to start was, fighting together to get through this. I was like, I can't help you if you don't let me know what's going on. You know, yeah. I find out things like, are you kidding me? I'll Come tell on, them. Let me know after things happen. You know. Mm -hmm. Tamara, do you remember having guilt or shame or worry that in telling him you're breaking a rule? For, I mean, you're not living up to who you want to be. Yeah, it was, you know. There was a lot of guilt because I I didn't want him to have to be a caregiver, mm -hmm. but it took me a long time to realize that we care for, we're caregivers for each other. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I help him in times when he's down, he helps me in times. And, and Mark, you know, were you willing to be a caregiver for her? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just had when, to let him know When this whole thing started, mm -hmm. it was the, that, that year four to five, um, I wasn't sure. If, um, you know, if I, if I wasn't getting what I needed out of the relationship, how, right. how, how am I going to care for her if I, you know, she's not letting me care for her, you know? So it was, it, it, it was truly difficult, but, um, like I say, we, we, we hit that cracking point and, um, it opened up and it's, it's been amazing since. Yeah. It's, you know. I think better than ever. It's almost like we fell in love all over again because we finally started... I finally started trusting and letting him into how I was feeling. Were you trusting him or trusting yourself as well? Probably both, you know, because I've got to be able to trust that I can navigate through this, but if I need help, I've got someone I can ask to mm -hmm. help me. I think sometimes as, a, as any person, um, no matter what you're going through, it's hard to be vulnerable that way sometimes. Yeah. Um, but you can see the, the benefits of of the vulnerability and um, let's talk about you guys falling in love again. That part's fun. Yeah. 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 That was fun. Well, yes. It was. 
And um, so, you know, it, at that point, you know, we made the effort to, to make time for each other to go out, to talk, doing dates. And to go on vacation together. I was also at a, yeah, uh, we'd, we'd always done vacations with the kids and whatever, because mm -hmm. I was in a job at that point where I had seven weeks of vacation. Some were sort of slow at work, so we'd take off and just um, go. We had a camp trailer and just took the kids down to Southern California, take a couple of weeks, work our way up the beach. Um, that was always fun, but it was me and the kids, or me at that time and the Boy Scouts, I, mm -hmm. going out with them. And I had my own thing going, and we had the thing going with the kids, but us together, um, you know, wasn't happening as much. And so, yeah. to to make that time and to do the things, and hey, let's uh, take off. Let's go to I don't even know where, but for the weekend, you know, mm -hmm. just, yeah. it's something we weren't doing. And I was, I was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say depressed, but I was in a spot where I'd been in the corporate world for 20 years there at the same company, and I was just spinning my wheels. So I had really nothing to look forward to at the time, too. And so between her depression and my spinning wheels, or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, it, it all kind of came together, and it exploded. And when it did, um, I, we took a uh, we took a trip down the uh, California coast, just us. Went over to the uh, Las Vegas, renewed our vows. Um, next day, went off to the Grand Canyon. We're on the mules, about to go down down in, and I got a phone call from Esco. One, I'm like, I applied there like a month and a half ago, you know, <laughs> just a random job. I'd been looking for a while to to move, and um, they, they called. Them. I'm like, well. I'm, I'm on a donkey. I'm about to go into Grand Canyon. This is the best service I've had in weeks, um, or not weeks, in days. And uh, well, let's do this phone interview now then. So we did it. And so that was exciting for me. Yeah. And the, uh, the exciting part of our relationship still, we had another week yet to go on this vacation. We went up into Moab and um, through Utah. And it, it was just a fun time, just us. Two weeks in the car together. Mm -hmm. he, he did fail to mention when we were in the Grand Canyon, we camped on the ground in two inches of snow. Because we got there and we were like, oh, we'll just camp because we'll take our camping gear and we get there and it snowed over. And we're like, oh, man. So the first night we toughed it out. Oh, we can do this. There's a, there's a dry spot right there where the sun is hit. Yeah. <laughs> toughed it out the first night we were in the tent. It was so cold there. So the second night, all our cool. stuff went in the tent. And we slept in the car with the engine going. Nice. But the first night was better because, you know, we were snuggled up. It was good. The body heat. Yeah. So we've been, yeah. what were your symptoms like at that time? That, that were, you, were they more at bay? That um, You'd been on the Avenex for a couple of years at yeah. that point. So the, the. Yeah. After I failed on Copaxin, um, they switched me to Avenex. And I've been on that for good lord. Ever since. So Ever since. Over so 10 years now. Over yeah. 10 years on the Avenex, and I pretty much stabilized on it. Mm -hmm. So, because I'm stable right now. Um, knock on wood, I'm knocking. Not, yeah. yeah. The one thing I do want to touch on is you guys had kind of been through a tough spot, a tough spell, mm -hmm. and then you bring it back together and you're finding the love again. And the correlation between being happy and being stable and being happy and, and having communication to mm -hmm. where it's working for you in your life. Can you see how you were doing better because of the, the relationship that you had and the being open and vulnerable in that way? Yeah, I think 
for me, stabilizing, you know, the mental aspect of it and right, right. my relationship with my husband stabilizing that, I think has helped stabilize the disease because mm-hmm. I've, you know, I'm happier, I'm healthier, yeah. we, you know. And, you know, my, my support's always there, but it's so much easier when she's happy and, and healthy. I mean, Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's, and I know that's not, that I'm not knock on wood, probably not always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way it is. But at at the same time, there's there's improvements every year. So I'm hoping that, you know, b- before anything major progresses, that you know we we we've, we've got better things to to deal with it. So right. Yeah. Um, that first five years, did you guys have support? What did you where did you do for support? Yeah. So besides we, yourselves, the the first year right after she was diagnosed, um, I I learned about the walk, and I think we went down there just to see it. Yeah. And the second year we we did a team, and I, I was just thinking there's got to be more than this, you know. It, it's a you know three hours you're, you're in there you're gone, and yeah it was fun, but um, you know what else is there? And they mm-hmm. mentioned this bike ride, and I hadn't ridden a bike since uh, I was in college, and it was the big fat mountain bikes with no right. suspension, heavy, and like my or BMX stuff when I was a kid, you know that was that was fun, but I couldn't imagine just going out and riding for for fun or for charity <laughs> whatever and um got a uh, a bike from one of the uh customers we had with columbia um said hey we've got i've got some closeouts here on some uh twin road bikes and got one for like 400 bucks or something crazy cheap like that and didn't realize how efficient a road bike was and I'm like, oh i can do this right and we it just it shot off from there when he started doing the bike ride i started volunteering at the event because of balance issues and scared too that I was going to tip over sure. on a two-wheel bike. So I supported him by volunteering while he did the ride for the first few years. Yeah. And, um, and did you get fulfilled, I guess, learning more about the disease, being around more people that knew about it? Yeah. And I, I, I did, and I used the bike to, to channel that as well, to, to tell the story because mm-hmm. um, – you know, I needed to train to do this thing, and, you know, traffic's horrible and whatever, um, commuting. So I, I commuted by bike exclusively for three years out to Beaverton every day from from Gresham. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, man, why do you do that? I don't know, let me tell you why. You know, I do this event, and mm-hmm. it's because of my wife. And it's not just because of my wife now. It's because of the people I met there. Mm-hmm. It's because of the two other very close connections we have that, got diagnosed with MS within three years of Tamara. A coworker of mine that I was very close with and a, a gal I went to college with that was on the same advertising team that I was on, um, both diagnosed. And um, both of them are very anti-medication and were, uh-huh. they're, they're doing the, uh, you know, the diet, the exercise and all that. So, you know, it's, um, just getting them the information they need. Obviously, I'd like them on a treatment, but that's what, whatever it was. Choice. You know, it's an individual choice. But just being there for them to be a sounding board mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that they, they, like us, they didn't know anybody who had MS. They don't, you know, what do I do? And mm-hmm. I think that helped us, you know, get more into involved with the other riders in doing the ride because we were able to talk to people with MS, you know, supporters, uh, spouses that support people with MS, and it's like getting to know their story versus our story, and 
everyone's story is very unique and interesting and, and fulfilling and, and fulfilling and, the, you, and yeah you can get a lot i i, the, I love the stories that the, you get from people the community there was far better than what she had found in the support uh -huh. groups mm -hmm. the support groups are typically older people that have had the disease for a while and um for lack of a better word the cranky there, a lot and, of negativity yeah. in the support groups and until she found the one she's and you are in now yes um, a lot, lot better vibe there which i do want to say there are a lot of really good support groups um i had some bad experiences as well starting out mm -hmm. and it is i mean it's scary to begin with when you are worried about what the future is like and then you're in a room with people who just complain about what every day is like yeah so that isn't the support i was looking for yeah you need now, to find your village you need to find your village yep. Yep. and speaking of the village let's talk about the village that you then found in Team Roadkill, which is the current bike group, which is somebody I, you know, the group that I talk about that I'm a part of and, and the support that, that you get, that we all get from, yes. yeah. from this amazing group that we're a part of. Yeah, I was volunteering at Walk MS at a Bike MS booth promoting the bike part of it. And the other two volunteers in the tent were Terry and Ron Hay, and we just hit it off. And then a couple weekends after that, we were volunteering out at um, Blue Lake Triathlon. And I brought my husband with me to that while we were promoting it. And the four of us just, like, hit it off, and lo it and was behold. Funny. Was, it, yeah. was it raining or super hot? I can't remember, but. I think it was raining. I needed to go grab a a pop-up shelter because we had one tiny little one like we need mm -hmm. more more shelter than this and you know me and ron are just we just met and we're like troubleshooting i'm like i, I like how this guy thinks you know we're, yeah. we're doing this but randy got that and um we're just talking through those what two hours that we we're there it's like wow this story mm -hmm. is the same but flipped which is interesting because a lot of times MS is the, the female and yeah. it seems like the guys are, are the support team, yeah. the support partner. And with Ron and Terry Hay of Team Roll Kill that Ron is the guy with MS. And yeah. so yeah. It, it's, it's, I think, really cool that it's probably good for both of you guys to be able to flip-flop and talk to each other. Exactly. And yeah. I, I see these these two, they're, they're talking about how they met. I'm like, wow, the, the, it, it's our story. They're high school sweethearts as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And it just it was, all the similarities and just that little flip difference. Um, their life parallels just to, ours quite just a bit. Just for me to, you know, I'll float things off of Ron and whatever, but uh, more importantly, um, we do things out, obviously outside of the bike team, and I'll be able to, to flip things off Terry and, mm -hmm. and vice versa, and then her and Ron as well. And just the, that. I mean, the dynamics the same. the 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 sexes are different, right. but it's just it's it's very cool to have somebody in that that same boat that's been going through this for for so long together. Yeah, and just to let people know who are listening to the podcast that don't know about Team Roadkill, that's the the biking group that we three are a part of, and they have been around since two thousand ten, and it is just electric. It's a juggernaut. It was over 100 people yeah. a couple years ago, and it's still way up there, you know, I think 75, 80, 80 folks on, on this team. And the amazing thing that I want to touch on is that it is support for MS, but it's support for everybody as a human. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. it is just a group of people who love the people who are they're next to. Yeah. It's, it's human connection at its finest. Yeah. And for anybody out there listening, if they're able to find something like that, then it is so energizing yeah. to be around good people. And I think um, for 
people with MS, it's important to be energized and to be social mm -hmm. and to get out and get that support. So um, what did you get from Team Roadkill? And I guess the, the other question I had for you, Tamara, was um, you had mentioned your word about balance and you were volunteering. Did you challenge yourself to, to be able to bike ride and, and once you got to be a part of Team Roadkill? Because they suck you in. They're like a vortex and they suck you in. But it's not a bad suck. It's a really good suck. Yeah. There's a well, lot of encouragement. There. Yeah, a lot of encouragement. Yeah, a lot of encouragement. Well, I was not challenging myself to bike, but my husband was challenging me to bike. Mm -hmm. And at first, you know, I, there was a lot of pushback. And then finally he's like, well, what if we get you a trike? And so uh, the MS Society was so grateful to help us purchase a trike because they are fairly expensive. Mm -hmm. And then I'm on the trike and I'm doing that. And then my husband's like, getting a little frustrated with me because he can get on the bike and go and I'm still slower on the trike. Mm -hmm. So it took him another few years to actually convince me to get on the back of a tandem. And soon as <laughs> so that he can, I say lovingly, drag me behind him. Uh -huh. But, you know, it's pretty much, you know, I think he enjoys having me close on the back of the bike and he knows you, you can't get away me. when you're on a tandem you're not going to go anywhere. No, no. I, yeah i can't get away and he he likes to help me reach milestones in life and uh that was one milestone to get on the tandem and go and now one thing that um Tamara, i want to ask you is what have you how has your life changed or how have you grown um how is your disease um mentally and physically being a part of a big support group like Team Roadkill or being around people that you get along with very well. And, and yeah, how, how has that changed you? Yeah. Well, Team Roadkill has been amazing with their support, you know, with MS or, you know, whatever disease we're having fun we're doing. I mean, we do barbecues. We do, what all do we do? We do beer fest. We do casino bus. Casino bus. bus we poker do, nights. Yeah, poker nights. I yeah. Mean, Concerts. There's, there's always an, something going on. Yeah. And it could be as minimal as four of us, or it could be 50 plus of us, mm -hmm. you know. And, it, and you know that, you know. We, we, with all the different things going on and all the different people, you want to go and you want to catch up with them. And it's like, mm -hmm. you might be tired, but you're like, you know, Franny said she was going to be there. I haven't seen her for, you know, three weeks. we got to go catch up, see what she's doing. we got to do this. And, you know, the, the love these team members have for each other mm -hmm. and the respect that they have for everybody, whether you have a disease or you don't have a disease. If you say you need help, you've got five people by your side in a second to mm -hmm. either help you upstairs to get you a plate of food yeah. to get you water no one questions anything it, i mean it's just the amount of love these people share for each other it's just you don't see this every day and, and it's so uplifting yeah. and for, it's for, inspiring it to is. see i mean this group of people get together and just take care of each other with yeah. no and, questions asked yeah and, and, and it's hard like we talked about earlier you know with ms uh for, you know to ask for help and mm -hmm. in this group, you're not asking. People are, are offering. and um, Yeah, you don't have to ask. Before you even can ask, they're there doing it for you or right. helping you or inspiring you to get up those stairs or to 
get your butt to the third floor. Yeah, or, or you know, are you going to ride? <laughs> are, are you going to ride? Yeah. Are yeah. you going to do, what are you doing? What's distance? Do mm -hmm. you need someone to be with you? Do you want somebody to be yeah. with you? It's, you know, I, I they let you make the decision how much help you get. They'll give you anything you want or they'll give you nothing if you're at the point and, where you don't want. Just stand next to me. They're pretty good at, at pushing a little bit as well. Of, they of, are. Just oh, because yeah. everybody wants you involved. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's very good for MS, for for support partners, oh, yeah. um, you know, uh, to be around a group like that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. One thing I wanted to ask, um, going from the positivity of, of Team Roadkill to just your relationship now. Um, do you guys have a public face that you put on? Because when I see you guys, it seems like Mark and Tamara are, are happy and laughing and, and having a good time. Do you have a private face of, you know, what do you guys like when MS hits? And how do you guys deal with it now compared to what it was like, you know, maybe the first five years? I think in the first five years, even maybe a little bit after that, there there was... I would notice the the public face Tamara would put on, yeah. and we we'd get home and it was completely different, you know. So I enjoyed when we were able to go out and do things because hey, I get to see happy Tamara, yeah. uh -huh. you know. And it it it's not so much like that now. It's uh, it's it's more genuine. It's so I you know if she's not happy and bubbly, I know it's because you know she she's worn out or you know we we've done too much or um, stress or you know we've got. Uh, a bunch of things on the calendar and you know just the dauntingness of of multiple things going on at one time so I like to keep the uh the schedule fairly loose but you know have some big things to look forward to but not a lot on it mm -hmm. but know? yeah and i think uh, a lot is i have learned to laugh at myself good which is or laugh at situations that i get myself into now because before it used to be frustration now i'm just yeah. like oh my god what just what an idiot! I'm like, you know, I'll tell him, you know, instead of hiding things from him anymore, I'll be like, I was such a big dork, you can't believe what I did today, yeah. you know, and he's just like, and it helps whatever. So <laughs> I still have a hard time with that sometimes. I get frustrated, and there's, I'm, I'm, it's crazy to think about, but I actually have to learn to laugh at the situation because I get worried and I get fearful, and all these things naturally mm -hmm. come up. But laughing helps so oh. much. It does. And then yeah. you get to hear your own laugh, Tamara. So yeah. you're like, well, that's a great laugh. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Learn, I think learning to laugh at myself in the situations that sometimes happen is just one of the best things that happen for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To, yeah. It's, a, to it's been really it. good. And um, even though we went through that, that hard time, it, it makes mm -hmm. it easier for me to coach other people that I know that, that come down with MS or whatever their their uh -huh. issue is. I'm like, hey, let's here here's the things to look out for, you know, and um, to be able to be a better support person for whoever my friend is and whatever mm -hmm. their situation is. Because mm -hmm. you know there is going to be hard times, and we might have hard times, you know, some more hard times in the future. But there's also going to be a lot of good. But you got to be willing to let the good in, you know, and that, take the bad it, and it, that brush says a it lot, off. Which I think is is sometimes part of the learning process. Yeah. Um, it, you can get into a routine of feeling like you're surviving and sometimes you have to let yourself live yeah and I think that's why it's nice to be around people and it's nice to yeah. be social and it's nice to get out and do that so that you're oh, yeah. you're allowing yourself to live because yeah. that's important and 
living. Uh, Tamara, are you going to say something? I, oh, I was going to say, I used to be very fearful of another attack coming and live, yeah. you know, daily is like, what if this happens? What if it's like, you're almost on the edge waiting for something to happen. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to learn that, you know, if it does, it does. If it doesn't, I wake up every morning and if I can get out of bed and stand, I'm like, yes, I did it. It's a good day. Yes. Let's go. You know, I've seen that. <laughs> I've chest. seen the, the arms in the yeah. air. It's with like, the... get up, you know. It's really, gotta... I, I, I believe that it's, it's what you're, how you feel when you put your feet on the ground makes a difference. You know, yeah. when you can win that first 10 minutes of the day, it helps the whole day. Yeah, mm -hmm. it yeah. does. Um, and Mark, uh, are there times where you're bummed that Tamara can't do something? Have you... How do you deal with that yeah. now as a support partner? Yeah, so um, you know, one of my big things and another thing that draws us to the haze is um, I love music, love mm -hmm. live music. I know that when we go to a concert, the, the, bass, the bass and the bass drum, uh -huh. the, the, the big pounding booms, it, it gets her muscles into, into spasms. And, Seriously? And so we, we go up yeah. and do this Dave Matthews thing in the Gorge every year, and um, I know that... Uh, by the middle to the end of the first set, she's having fun, but she's done. And she's on the bus back to the campground. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so how to kind of describe what happens is the vibrations of the music kind of almost get like absorbed into my leg muscles. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of almost like um, when the doctor hits you with a tuning fork and you're vibrating. So my muscles will just feel like my legs are vibrating like that for it could be like six to eight hours after a concert if it's like really Interesting. pounding yeah. so I can feel it so then you're trying to sleep afterwards and your legs are still just almost feel like they're shaking and vibrating from yeah we'll be in the tent or the camper afterwards and I, right. I, I get you know feel the feel it so did you have to get to a place where you're okay getting on the bus and going back to the campground and are you okay with that and having Mark stay? I am. I'm okay because I know he enjoys the concerts and, um, you know, I'm okay with letting him do what he wants to do to be happy. And, he, you know, he's okay with me knowing that I've got to get back and, you know, so I can, before this gets out of control. How do you guys plan for the future when you're thinking about MS? Don't think about it. We, yeah, we really don't think just, about it. I, I mean, you got to uh, just, just make the plan for the future if things change. That's one of the things I've learned over my, my work career is just be fluid. Yeah. Um, that's that's going to be the biggest asset. I mean, know that it's there, and you know, but don't that's put it in the forefront. But we also know we have a single-level house now that if we ever move, we've got to go into a single-level house mm -hmm. that I won't be able to do a double-level. But, I mean, a little thing like when we did a, a mini remodel a few years ago, mm -hmm. um, the laundry used to be in the garage, and that was three steps down into the garage to where the laundry was. We remodeled after um, one of our children left the house, and we had an empty bedroom that she had that had a bathroom. So we just simply moved the washer and dryer, changed the outlets, in the bathroom that was in her room and put the washer and dryer in the bathroom of our spare bedroom now so I don't have to take the laundry down steps. I just have it, it's on, um, our laundry basket's on coasters, casters, mm -hmm. right. and we just wheel the basket right into the laundry room now so when something happens, we'll deal with it. Well, you guys, it's really enjoyed talking to you guys and, and one thing that I, I always like to end a conversation with is 
is asking you both what advice you have for newly diagnosed people. For newly diagnosed people, I would say um, it's very important to get out, try to find someone who can help navigate through the beginning of the disease, who's done it, who can kind of give you some hints, um, someone to talk to. You need to, the first thing you're going to want to do is try to hide in a hole, but you need yeah. to find at least one individual that's willing to help you, inspire you to motivate you to keep moving, to hear stories from other people, to... You know, know that you're not alone. Yeah, yeah, know that you're not alone is a big thing. And you. And whatever you're going through, somebody else is going through that. Yeah. yeah. Although MS, they, they say it's a snowflake disease, so it's different for everybody. Yeah. But so many people are going through it and have a way to deal with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But usually you can tie most of the situations people are going through back together to, mm-hmm. you know, it's still MS and that might be affecting you this way, but it has affected me in that way. Mm-hmm before and you just don't just don't give up just try to find somebody to to help um if you're feeling down call the ms society they'll hook you up with somebody Mm -hmm. locally Mm -hmm. and it's better to have someone local that you can meet with face to face not just over the phone or telechat you need that human contact to actually see physically see somebody with it human contact is very important Yeah. yeah and one thing that i always say to people too is if you go to an ms support group and it's not for you if you don't leave feeling better than you did when you went went there then try go another. find another one because yeah. there are good support groups out there and that human connection and yeah. and being connected with people is is yeah. very important yeah and that you've got to be able to be your own champion in your cause because mm-hmm. if you can champion your cause you can inspire other people to champion your cause which is which fuels your soul which fuels you which is very yeah. nice. And then uh, splitting this off a little bit, what advice would you give to married couples? Oh, I'd um, just right off. You know, if someone gets diagnosed, it's like, here, I, I want to talk to you. I want to um, answer any questions you have, but I also want you to put me into contact with your spouse, with mm-hmm. um, you, your significant other, with your boyfriend, girlfriend, with your mom, whoever it is in your life that is you know your rock and i'm hoping you have somebody because i all the all that we've been through all that uh, i know about ms um all that tamara knows about ms um we can we share that you know that's a that that, like i said before i like to like to share information Mm -hmm. and the the more informed people are are the better and um because that's scary i mean this thing can go any number of directions in any sort of time frame so You're just getting people comfortable with with who they are, with what this diagnosis could mean, um, what it actually does mean to them. What you know, just finding the support for them, because uh, I'll tell them right off: the first couple of years it can be rough. Yeah, I think you, know, you got to get you got to get used to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was dropped sure. on you. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes open communication about your fears is a big one. Yeah, if you know someone who's been there, it just makes it all that much easier. It does. If you're not happy with your neurologist or your doctor, oh, yeah. damn well get a new one because yeah. I've been through, I had a wonderful one, my first neurologist, I, and then she had moved, and I got another one that was just absolutely horrible, mm-hmm. and then I am back on the track 
I complained and complained and finally I got another one and now I have an amazing neurologist. And you know, it's, it's about being your own advocate, like you say, yes. yeah. you know, be your own champion because when you are speaking up for yourself, you get results and it is, they kind of work for you. Yeah. So yeah. they should be answering your questions and if they're not, then you need to find a way to get those questions answered because it, you need to know those things. Yeah. And they should be helping you in a way that is fulfilling for you and not a stress. Yeah, if they're not helping you. I mean, the, the one neurologist I had that uh, I didn't care for, the first meeting was, oh, you don't look like you have MS. You're the healthiest looking person <laughs> that, I've seen for that, a long time. That makes no sense coming and from a coming neurologist. Coming from a neurologist. That makes I mean, no uh, sense whatsoever. That, yeah. You almost expect that coming from someone who doesn't know. Exactly. But that, yeah, exactly. Out of an, that yeah, was a at, shock. At, yeah, I came home and I'm like, I hate her. Yeah. <laughs> I hate her. I'm not going back to her. And I will tell people, you know, yeah. do not go see this woman. No, that, that's like and, the anti-cancer yeah. that you're yeah. supposed to get from your neurologist. Yeah. It was complete, yeah. so yeah, there gotta, are a lot of good ones out there. Well, fight to have a good one. Yes, and it, it's fight to have a good one for sure. And then I think it's important to find the things that make you smile, find the mm. thing, it, laugh, yes. it, be able to laugh at yourself. And um, something that I know that you guys have done that I've seen the smile it brings is you have a new grandson, which yes. I see the smile that it brings yes. to your face. And so I'm glad that you have that in your life because that is something that uh, I know you guys look forward to. Yes. Yeah. I want to thank you both for being here. Um, absolutely love the fact that uh, we've been connected uh, through Team Roadkill, and I appreciate mm -hmm. you guys and your support. And uh, just very thankful for you uh, talking and sharing your story with me today. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jim. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Yeah. Thank you. You're one of my favorite MSers. Well, very good. <laughs> and there we go. We'll get to end with your laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. My hope is that something you heard may help you clarify for yourself how you are really doing. And please subscribe to my podcast as I continue to figure out how I am really doing and sharing these things with you to help along your journey. I am wishing each and every one of you all the best and sending you magnificent energy. I hope that you're able to answer the question, how you really doing for yourself? Because in the end, you are the most important person.